podcast where we discuss the competitive side of the game. I'm Charles. With me today are Richard, Ian, and Alexander. Uh, in today's episode, we will be discussing the Dunlin faction. And in our open topic, we'll be ranking the two attack elites of the game. We will fight for you. Swear it. Now, Dunlin is not officially its own army list, but there are a set of profiles in the Isengard list with the Dunlin keyword. So we'll kind of just be focusing on those and uh, we'll be writing army lists with Dunlin profiles in them. And we'll also be just briefly going over the Legendary Legion Dunlin. So Dunlin is interesting because half of them came out in the Armies of the Lord of the Rings book when the new edition came out. And then with Warren Rohan in late 2019, we kind of got like a set of new heroes and then a couple new warriors with them and then also a legendary legion. So what are you guys' thoughts on like the Dunlin profiles as a whole? Because if you kind of look through the Isengard army list, it doesn't really synergize with anything in Isengard and they don't have the Isengard keyword. I think all signs point to it eventually having to kind of become its own partial faction, maybe. I mean, it already is to an extent, but, you know, they now they have at least a few really good heroes, and they have solid standard troops. they got a few different options, different synergies. Like you said, they don't get the Isengard keyword, and I think so long as they're mashed in with Isengard the way they are, not having a hero of valor of their own, they kind of get stuck getting shoved in with Isengard. Yeah, I think you got a good point there. They don't have a hero of valor, so it's a little bit harder to ally if you want to do like a convenient alliance, but they do provide like cheaper warrior options to the Isengard, which is like normally like a more expensive troop. Yeah, I think Thryden, the big thing they add is heroes, I think, more into the Isengard list. They give you a lot more good like mid-tier heroes. And I think all of their named heroes have three points of might, too. So it gives you a lot of might to play around with, too. Yeah. As for the troops, in a pure Isengard list, I think you'll probably see, like, Crabane added a lot. Maybe the Horsemen, if you don't like Wargriders. The Wargriders don't have the Isengard keyword anyway, so they seem like like a good alternative. Yeah, I think, Charles, like you mentioned earlier, um, if you're going to play them pure, like, I think the Legendary Legion is probably the way to go. Yeah, because then you're just getting all the synergies available to the Dunlin faction. Yeah. I think you might see, like, the Oathmaker and a bunch of Wildmen kind of inserted into, like, a mostly Isengard list because they do get the Isengard keyword if they're with him. And then it also provides you with troops who can ignore courage. So if you don't want to take the Shaman and you need to buff your numbers, that's kind of like a good way to like buff your numbers, get troops who can just charge into terrifying things. Yeah. And it, and it still like doesn't change your breakpoint with your special rule. So I think yeah, they have yeah. a, little, a nice little place in the list. It does add some utility compared to just running like a pure like Urukai sort of army. So jumping into the heroes, first we have Thryden Wolfsbane, which is their biggest hero at 85 points. So he's kind of your standard like 5-5, five, 2-attack five, hero, 3-my-2-will-2-fate, but he is kind of deceptively powerful. 
he's only two attacks, but he does have the two-handed um, axe option as well as mighty blow. So every wound that he deals, your opponent will take two wounds instead of one. He's also the only Dunlin hero that can ride a horse, so he can actually be pretty devastating on the charge. He also has a 12-inch standfast, which is very useful um, because it's not restricted to like Dunlin keyword. It's your whole army, so pretty good boost there. He might be my favorite profile out of the Dunlin heroes, though I wish he was a hero of valor. It'd be awesome if you were able to ally Thryden into other lists. Charles, don't start me. We had this conversation <laughs> before we started recording. Don't start me. <laughs> I think I, I went on a little uh, spiel about him in, in our alerts episode already, so I'll, I'll kind of keep it brief. But just to add on to what you're saying, he, he has a, a sword instead of the two-handed axe, so he can use either one in combat, and he still has Mighty Blow at Strength 5. So, yeah, I think he's just his ability to, to, to deal damage is, is, is crazy. And he might be my favorite profile in Isengard. Honestly, like in the whole like two the two kind of factions together. I mean, his only real weakness is the defense five. But if you can insulate him well, he can be absolutely devastating. And if there is one thing in the Isengard list that I would change, it's that Thryden should be a hero of valor, especially now with Dunland getting its own boost. It's got to have a hero of valor, especially with the FAQ change last year. And Thryden really should be, because they call him the war chief of Dunland. Like, the war chief, and he's only a hero of fortitude. That would be the one thing that I changed. I think otherwise he's a very strong profile. Alex, I think you should uh, start a petition on Facebook or something, because once Haldir got some angry fans petitioning him to get the boost, he did get the Valor upgrade. So I think he need to do something about it. Start some activism. I do have an argument that you can make. To make him a hero of valor, this is like a, a lore-based argument, but I think when uh, when the Dunlindings attacked Helm's Deep while Helm Hammerhand was king, they actually attacked with Corsairs of Umbar, and right now it's impossible to make that army, because Dunland doesn't have a hero of valor, so you can't ally with Corsairs of Umbar to recreate that battle. <laughs> Wait, seriously? The Corsairs yeah. were there? Yes. What? Uh, in, so in the book. Yeah. from their boats. <laughs> Next profile, we'll be covering Gorolf Ironskin. This is one of the new heroes from Warren Rohan. And this guy is, he's just a beast. For 70 points, you get a 3 attack fight 5 hero with strength 5. And he has this rule Ironskin, which allows him to call free heroic defense whenever he is fighting a hero model. From the Lurts episode, I know that we've kind of showed like how much we like this profile. Do you guys all agree that he's pretty much an auto-take if you're taking, uh, like, a Dunlin army? Short answer, yes. Long answer, also yes. Unless you're really strapped for points at, like, 350 points, even then I think you go for him and Fryden and just get as many troops as you can. Yeah, forget the march, just just take two hitters. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the Iron Skin special rule is kind of what makes him. It's really unique. We see other heroes in the game with, like, free hero combats or some sort of, like, free might generation. But he's, like, the first of his kind to have free heroic defense, which we also really love. And then paired with also his, like, fighting prowess, like, that just makes his heroic defense really scary. Because, yes, he has strike, 
but I find that a lot of times you won't even need to strike against a bigger hero because you have three attacks and I would rather just use the free heroic defense and then you know you will eventually win a fight and when you do you're going to do a lot of damage with your three attacks and strength five so yeah I, I think his profile just works really well together and he's really point efficient too yeah it's actually kind of nuts how good he is just because even if he doesn't do a ton of damage if you can plug him into a big hero and just kind of sit there in free heroic defense you're not going to lose every combat and when you do they need sixes to wound natural sixes it really frees up Thryden, for instance, to do some real damage when you're able to bog down an enemy hero like that. I feel like before this profile came out, people tried to use Maher in the same way, like a three-attack captain. But I feel like Gorov is so much better at the job. And we've discussed previously, Maher is a little misused for his three attacks. He should be used for like his other abilities, but... I feel like the Goral fits into that role where you use them to plug him into a big hero. And as someone with three different weapons, he's a direct counter to anyone who runs Black Shield Shamans. He can't shatter all his weapons. Two axes and the dagger. Who needs Weapon Master with that? (laughs) Well, the funny thing is, even if you shatter all his weapons, he'll still be three attacks, but just a minus one to that. (laughs) <laughs> and, he'll, and he'll still be getting free heroic defense, so... Hey, if you're calling heroic defense and then you, you stab, would would your stab damage wound on a 6 only? I think I think it would depend on what the heroic defense yeah. wording is. If it's yes. enemy, enemy rolling to wound, or is it yourself? I think it's just... Well, stab damage would be a 6 to wound him anyway, so that wouldn't matter, right? Unless he piercing struck and stabbed at the same time, because he's got two arms for two or, weapons. Or unless he wants to might his own stab roll to wound himself. <laughs> Sometimes when you gotta break, you gotta break. <laughs> I wish we were video recording, because Alex was losing it. <laughs> Next profile is Frida Tallspear. 65 points, the same points range. Also like a captain... Two attack, two wounds, sort of level of... She is defense six. She is um, the highest defense Dunlin hero, being able to take a shield. She doesn't have strike. She still has defense, though. Two special rules. So uh, cavalry models do not gain charge bonuses when they charge her or a combat that she's supporting. And Dunlin ding models within three inches of her reroll to wound against mounts. So her role in the army is like an anti-cavalry hero, and I don't know, I think she's pretty solid, like a a fight 5, strength 4 hero for 65 points. Those cavalry bonuses are nice, but even if you don't use them, I still think she's pretty good for her points. Yeah, you really can't complain about a a 3-might hero at 65 points, but then with the rules and the overall stat line, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Considering we just talked about, like, Maher, or, like, one of the standard Urukai heroes that I feel don't get as much for the same points level. Yeah, I, I love this profile, honestly, just because of the, the cavalry special rules that she has and how she interacts with them. Like, it's it just offers up so many interesting, like, tactics that you can use and just ways to play the army. And I think it's a really creative way to give Dunland as the faction a way to deal with, like, big heroes just charging into their lines on horses. And like you guys were saying, even if she's not fighting somebody with a horse, you can still toss her into a big hero, heroic defense, and she's going to hold them up for a few turns anyway. 
And then, yeah, like you're saying, the Fight 5, 3 might, yeah, it's it's another great profile. <laughs> the only thing that sucks about it is I think it's, he's kind of has to contend with Gorolf and uh, Thryden, so that's that's kind of where she, she loses out, because they're, they're also some really good uh, profiles in the same kind of points range, like mid-tier hero. But yeah, it's great, love it. Yeah, I just think it's ridiculously crazy that like her and Gorolf, 65 and 70 points respectively, are both fight five heroes. Like that is just so good. Like I don't know. Like they're almost too good. And if you run them with Isengard, it's like it kind of takes away from having to want to take any of the Isengard mid tier heroes because that's how good they are. Because they got the fight five, and Gorolf has the strength five as well. Yeah, I mean, they're just both really good. From now on, I'm just going to have Dunland Heroes leading Urukai because I'm that happy with these three profiles. Honestly, though, like, I think if you take these three and Lurts at maybe, I don't know, like 700-ish points and up, that that's that's a pretty solid list if you just spam out Urukai after that. I kind of see where you guys are coming from, where it's like, it feels like they're too good. I think it might be the way the new profiles are streamlined since the like the, the newer supplements we see a pattern of a lot of these new heroes being like three might one will one fate and uh, I, I don't know if this is like for better or for worse i think this is like a way for people to want to buy and use these new profiles because three might is everyone wants like a cheap hero or three might so i feel like compared to the older profiles from like lord of the rings you, you don't see three one one as often and I don't know. I think that might be just the way it is designed for people to want to use them. Well, I think it's the 311 and special rules, too. Like, way back when, it would be you'd have your captain, and then you'd have your named captain, which would just have an extra might point and no special rules. And now we're getting, like, normal profiles, like captain level profiles with some special rules. But now we're getting extra might and extra special rules, and, and they are super point sufficient, is basically the result, like you guys have been saying. Yeah, but that, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, in the old rules, you'll have Aerostore, like a 2 might 2 will 2 fate or Maher, like a like a named hero that doesn't get the extra might. Uh, but it seems like it's just standard. All the new, like, captain-level heroes will have 3-1-1. The next hero we're, we're covering doesn't have fight 5, though. It's the Wild Man Oathmaker, and he's only fight 4. He's a little less combat-y. He's still the 2-attack, two 2-wounds, two still the 3-1-1 for might-will-fate, but he's also the cheapest at 55 points. And he has two special rules. One is uh, we will die for Saruman. All Wildmen of Dunlin, included in his warband, get the Isengard keyword. And then Blood Oath, which gives all Wildmen within six inches of him fearless. I think Alfao is really, really good, especially if you're playing Isengard, like Urukai Isengard. He's a super cheap source of fearless. You just need to take, I don't know, five or six Wildmen. Wildmen are only five points each, so you just put a few of them in there, and then you get a three-might hero with it. And then you don't have to worry about courage, really. You don't have to take shamans, and I don't know. I think for 55 points, he is amazing. <laughs> I'm sorry, I gotta, I gotta calm down before I speak here. Because I'm looking at this profile just as we're talking about how all these new profiles are captain level points, 311 with good special rules, and we talk about the Oathmaker. He's 311, sure, his overall stat line aside from special rules isn't so amazing that he's not going to die if you're not careful, but the ability to make it fearless at 55 points, I just, I don't even have words to describe how useful that is. It's incredible. I love it. I now want to buy a ton of Wildmen and put them with him. The cost of a Shaman, but you get three Might instead of three Will. Yeah. And it's and, a spell, so it, it, there's no exhaustion. 
the yeah. GW marketing is working. <laughs> Honestly, though, I remember when I when we read this uh, the book, like when, after I first got it, and I was like, hmm, I should start a Dunland army. This looks really fun. <laughs> but yeah, this is kind of like the crux of what you're saying with all those cheap three might heroes. Usually with like evil armies of men, they kind of struggle getting might in. Not with this list. You're going to very easily end up with like 12 to 14 might once you get up to like the 700, 800 point uh, kind of range. And tons of models too. So yeah, uh, as for this profile, I really like it. I think it makes the Wildman of Dunland actually playable. Because like you'd never see them before. There'd be no reason to take them. But now with him, yeah, I think it's, it's really good. And then, yeah, if you have a group of them and you come up against Rohan models, you're laughing because they all have hatred. For that other special rule where it gives them the Isengard keyword, I'm just trying to think what sneaky things you can do with it. I guess if you take like a full warband of Wildman of Dunland, so 12, it can really beef up your Isengard keyword models and I guess make you even harder to break uh, using the Isengard army bonus. I think that's what the intention of the rule is. Yeah, I, I think so. And then, yeah, like like we said, it gives them the Fearless, which is good. And as for playing, I think you have like your pike block with your Isengard if you want to. And you hide these guys behind it so they don't die from arrow fire. And then you just run, like, 12 of them out to hit the flanks to try and wrap around and just cause chaos while the pike block munches through and stuff. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, and they're super cheap objective grabbers. I mean, most games, I would say, you don't get cut down to 66%. Most likely, they won't be testing. At five points a pop, like, they could be running on in standard objectives on, like, far corners of the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, five points for Courage 3 ain't bad. It doesn't matter if they die, they're so cheap that you're just like, go! And they just run off, become fearless, and just clog up everything. The final hero from Dunland is the Dunlanding Chieftain. At 55 points, so the same as the Oathmaker, he has about the same stat line, with exception of armor, so he has defense 5. He does have strength 5. And 2 might, 2 will, and 1 fate. He has that extra will point. We know from a couple of the old profiles, Captain Level ones does have the second will point. I think the Wild War Chieftain does as well. Anyway, so he has an armor, dagger, and two-handed axe. He's the source of Heroic March in the Dunland faction. He can take a bow for five points, and he can swap his two-handed axe for axe and shield for free. So he can effectively go up to defense six. Obviously, being like the only model out of Dunland that is able to march, he, he does have a role to play in the list. But I also think that him being able to two-handed strength five could come in handy, but I think you usually would want to take the shield for free, right? Yeah, I always go, just rule of thumb, always go with anything that can boost defense. So I think, yeah, for free, just to swap that. He still gets an axe, it's not two-handed, but he gets that. I think the one thing is missing now with the new supplement is perhaps an upgraded profile to allow him to be mounted just to lead horsemen. Because otherwise, he's got March, which is great, but I think for it to be most efficient, he needs a mount. Yeah, as for the, the 200 axe thing, you're not really struggling to do damage with the Dunland Ballist, right? Like, your basic troops are strength 4 with axes, and then all your heroes are basically strength 5 apart from the Wild and Oathmaker and Frida, I think. And then, like, I think all your named heroes have heroic strength, too. So damage isn't really an issue for you. So I think, yeah, taking somebody who can just kind of defense six, he can grind through troops if you need him to with a strength five. Yeah, just let him do that. And, of course, with the breaking, too, having two will on a hero in this list is pretty good, even though they're only courage four, because basically everybody besides Thryden is sitting at courage four, but only one will. So I think he kind of definitely competes with, like, the other named heroes at least a bit. 
Yeah, it's not one of those profiles like the Ministerious Captain where you almost never see them because the named ones are 99% of the time better. I don't think that's the case here. I think um, you'll see the Dunland Chieftains in lists for sure. So next we're going to talk about the basic Dunlanding Warrior, seven points. Fight three, strength four, defense four, one attack, one wound, courage three. Comes with an axe and armor. Can take a banner for 25 points, shield for one point. Can swap the axe for a dagger and bow for one point, and a two-handed axe for one point. So right off the bat, Ian just mentioned that they're strength four with an axe. So I think that there is a role for these guys in a Isengard list, just because the Urukai don't have access to axes. So they already have the same strength as Urukai, and being able to get up to strength five, there is a point of taking these guys. I'd argue not only is there a point, but there's really a reason. It's just like the Wildmen that are cheap. Isengard, typically, their most standard troops are expensive enough that you really don't get a ton of them when you spam them out in the list. So just having the option to go the cheaper option, I mean, it's not as high fight, but you can still kind of mitigate that with the composition of your army. And then, you know, just for the few points off, I think they definitely have a role there. I think they're slightly underrated at times. I mean, a lot of people talk about how great the Urukai warrior is, and the Dunlending warrior are just as cost efficient. It's just they can't go up to the defense six, and they have only fight three maximum. So, but they are two points less, and those are good stats. But you know, if you value fight value and defense at one point each, then technically they're about the same as the Urukai warrior. So. I, I'm kind of inclined to go with the mob and not and disagree with you guys on this. I think if you're gonna do an Isengard list, just take Isengard warriors with shield instead. There's other ways you can get damage in there. I mean, maybe if you're going heavy into like the pike block kind of thing, so you just want to get as many models as you can to make your pike block as wide as possible, then go for these guys because they're cheaper, and they're, you're gonna get the fight four anyway because of this pike supports. Yeah, but in in like the Legion, 100%, they're great. They're like the only access you have to Warriors with Shield in that list besides like the uh, the Cavalry. So yeah, you're going to take a lot of these guys with Shield in the Legion, but eh, in Isengard, eh. I mean, my argument is not that you can build like the same like Pike block with them, obviously, because they don't have options for Spear or Pikes. Um, so you can't really do that. But I'm just arguing with the regular, you know, Axe with Shield. A warrior is similarly priced, but obviously, like without a cheap spear option, I'm sure we're going to talk about Huskirls later. But they can't really have the same uh, shield wall formation as Isengard. Yeah. Next is the Wildmen of Dunland. We kind of already covered them. Their role with uh, Oathmaker, being able to provide really cheap objective grabbers, just fearless warriors. Now, compared to the Dunland Warriors, they seem to be two points cheaper for two less stats. If you were to compare them, they lose a defense and a strength for two points cheaper. However, they seem to get the Hatred of Rohan special rule for free, which is very conditional, but it doesn't look like it costs any points. So pretty good models to just sprinkle in uh, if you have some points left, if you want to boost your numbers up. And if you're taking the Oathmaker, definitely take a few of these guys at least. So the next warrior we'll be talking about is the Dunlending Horseman. At 12 points, they're the same as a Warg Rider with a piece of war gear. And 
they're pretty similar in stat line, with the exception of um, having Courage 3 instead of 2 of the Warg Rider, and also having uh, access to slightly different war gear. So the Dunning Horseman comes with a shield, armor, horse, and dagger. I don't think the Warg Rider comes with an option to piercing strike, but then they do have like ranged options like throwing spear and bow. The Dunlending Horseman also has one special rule called Slay the Horses, which allows him to reroll ones to wound amounts. A conditional special rule, but it's nice. So would you guys prefer taking these or uh, Warg Riders in an Isengard list? I think if you're expecting a lot of objective-based scenarios, maybe take these guys over Warg Riders just because of the extra courage. But then again, Warg Riders, like if you dismount them, then you end up with two models. So there's like plus and minuses to both, honestly. Like in the Legion, yeah, I'd t- take a few of them for sure, just just to get, if you can, just to get guys who can move fast. But in normal Isengard, I don't know. If, if you have the models, run them. I, I, I think it's 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 basically just down to personal preference. I don't think one's better than the other. I know that people look down on the, the Wargriders of 5-plus shoot value, but I think having access to the Throwing Spear for one point isn't bad at 5-plus to hit. So I can see the benefit of, of taking Warg Riders. I also, yeah, like Ian said, I like having an optional dismount. So I think I'd put them at pretty even between Dunlending and Warg Riders. Pretty even for me. Yeah, I think the debate really is difficult to have. It really depends on what you want out of them. If you want the potential for the extra dismount, the Warg Rider, or if you need axes, or you know that you're going to come up against cavalry heavy list than Dunlending. If I owned some of the models for an Isengard list, I'd run them. <laughs> but it's not like, go out of your way to add them. Next, we'll be covering the Dunlending Huskroll. Now, these are considered the elite for Dunland. They're fight 3, strength 4, defense 5, 1 attack, 1 wound, courage 3, at 11 points each. They come with heavy armor, Dunlending, war axe, and a dagger. So the War Axe, it can be used as a spear or a two-handed axe. And uh, they have two special rules. They have Bodyguard, and they have Favor of the War Chief, which allows them to go up to fight four if they're supporting a combat while being within three inches of a Dunlending hero. So it's a very conditional fight four. So not only do they have to be within three inches of the hero, but they also have to be supporting, which for 11 points, which is like the price of like a Kazakhard, that seems really pricey. Thoughts on this one? I'm, when I first looked at it, I thought they should have been like 9 or 10 points. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I didn't realize when I first read it that it, it had to satisfy both of those conditions. Like, it had to be supporting to get the fight for. That just seems really dumb to me. So, I, I don't know. We, we've talked about it before. <clears throat> but I, I think there is a place in the list because they have bodyguard. And then obviously in, in like a Dunland, pure Dunland force, they're your only access to spears and fight for troops. So they're definitely, you're going to see them in the list, but they're not amazing. I'd say maybe like six to nine of them in a list if, if you're going really high points. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the bodyguard kind of sucks to pay because you want to be supporting. So it's like you're not going to have the chance to charge terror troops. And you also can get the Oathmaker with Wild Men of Dunland to do that role. So. Yeah, these guys are just really overpriced compared to, like, the uh, Urukai Pikemen. I think they might be priced like this just because of the Isengard composition. They want you to still have a reason to take Pikemen. 
the way they're designed is that they don't want these guys to be spammed as like really cheap bodyguard in, in Isengard. It's funny you say that. Cause I was just going to say, what if you took an army basically of only these guys? Cause then I think their deficiencies kind of go out of the way. Cause then you have guys, you'll have the fight for wherever you have the heroes. So you should have fight for across the whole line. And then you can have the access to two handed piercing in the front line. If you want it, then you might be the first to get in the independent hero rating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe that's what they were thinking. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's a viable way to run a bunch of them. I don't know. I feel like even if they just said within three inches of a Dunland hero, it would make it so much better. But the fact that they have to be supporting makes it even more conditional. Within three inches of a Dunland hero is pretty standard. It's the same thing as you get in Angmar. Within three inches of a spirit hero, it's a bit much. I really think they should be about nine points. Yeah, or make them a little bit cheaper in the Legion. I don't know. The final profile we'll be covering is the Krebane. The Krebane doesn't have the Dunlending keyword, but we'll cover it since it's uh, it's in the, the Dunland Legion. So it's a 20-point uh, flying infantry model. So it's, its profile by itself is not like too impressive. It's uh, Fight 2, Strength 2, Defense 3, 2 Attacks, 4 Wounds, and Courage 3. And there are two special rules, or they have Fly, and then they have Keen Sight. Enemy models within 12 inches of Krebane does not benefit from stock and scene. And Cloud of Birds, which gives them protection from shooting, so shooting attacks will only ever hit them on a 6. So these are the cheapest flying models in the game, and I think the profile is amazing that you get a 4-wound model that moves 12 inches. These things are crazy, and I think... Once we have tournaments again, anybody who's running Isengard is going to have a few of these in them. Anybody who's running Dunland is going to have some of these in them. Like you said, the I don't know, the, just the flying infantry, great. The four wounds, fantastic. And everything, like the only hit on sixes from shooting, amazing. Like, that's just so handy. And, yeah, I just, even just the ability that you could throw one of them because of the four wounds, throw them into, like, Aragorn. He's tar pitted for a turn. He's not going to, he cannot kill it in a turn. At least one turn, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I think I think this is just 20 points of pesky. Moves 12, 4 wounds, difficult to shoot at. I mean, I know there aren't a ton of models out there that have stock unseen, but you're going to come up against them here and there. And to be able to just say, you don't get it if you're within an entire foot of this model that can follow you around faster than you can move, great. Yeah, I mean, I think they're so good that, like, People will be taking a small contingent of Isengard or Dunland just to ally these guys in. Yeah, with 12-inch movement, you can grab objectives really easily. You can fly behind enemies and just trap any anyone you want, pretty much. So it helps you when you're trying to like surround as well. And 20 points is just so, so cheap. It's like less than getting two cavalry. And Courage 3, which is really good for evil. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. pretty decent, right? So they can still go on to objectives. Yeah, they're nasty little buggers. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Dunland overall has some pretty um, interesting and, and competitive profiles, I think. Well, let's look, move on to some army lists that we wrote today. So with the lists that we wrote today, we have two in the Legendary Legion, and then we have two lists uh, with Dunland not used in the Legendary Legion. So just going over the army of Dunlin quickly, the Legendary Legion is found in War and Rohan. So it includes every profile that we cover today as options. 
And in the Legion, Thryden Wolfsbane count as a hero of valor, so he can lead 15 instead of 12. And the Legion has three special rules. So the first one is uh, Death to the Forgoyle. Every model in this list gains Hatred of Rohan. And then the second one is the Dunlending Pride. Range of banners in this Legion is increased to six inches. And then the last special rule is the Dunlending Warcry. Uh, once per game, at the start of the fight phase, Thryden can declare he's using this ability. And for the rest of the turn, every Dunlending model within 12 inches of Thryden gains a plus one to wound. So just building on previously when around the theme of Dunlending models, you know, strength is one of their strong points and they, they can deal a lot of damage. The Dunlending Warcry kind of builds on that and it gives you one turn of just like boosted wounding ability. And then I also think the banner boost being six inches is also a huge bonus. Overall, thoughts on this Legion? If you guys want to just give your thoughts and then um, your rating for this Legion. So I really like this Legion. Like you're saying, like the banner thing is, is great. Normally you don't consider taking like two banners, but I think in this case, maybe at like 600 plus, you would really consider getting two. Just so you can have like a huge line of guys with everybody under banner range. And then as for the plus one to wound thing, that's fantastic. I think it's kind of like Gothmog's one that we've talked about before, where it's like, as soon as you get a whole bunch of your line in, you just you call it to maximize it. Especially because Thryden is, he, he is going to be your leader, so people are going to be gunning for him anyway. And he is not super survivable, so you want to just make sure you get it off rather than like wishing you had later in the game or forgetting about it. Yeah, overall, for this Legion, if, if we're using our standard kind of rating system, I don't know. I, I With the bonuses and considering all the cool profiles it has, I think I'd give it like a 9 out of 10. It's it's really good. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Ian. The specials and the synergies look like they would work really well. Unfortunately, I feel like this army kind of came out right before COVID hit, and we haven't had a lot of experience to see this in action at like competitive tournaments so i still have some questions about some of their weaknesses like the lower defense and their less than efficient spear support lines and stuff like that so i can't give it as high of a mark as that but i do think they have a lot of potential so i think i would go with the eight i definitely like it on paper i see it having some gaps but i think every legion tends to have gaps but it definitely looks interesting. I think I'm also going to give it an 8. Yeah, I, I think we agree that the heroes in this Legion are very good. They're very good for their points. And the banner bonus helps the army scale at higher points. I, I, I don't know if this one is good at higher points, though. Like, at low points, um, this Legendary Legion, I think, is very strong. But at higher points, um, your heroes either only have one or two will. And against like an army with a strong caster, or just an army that can that can fight better, that can shoot better, I I don't know how well it can compete against that. So I really like the heroes in this. I really like the mobility options and the banner bonus. But I think on the rating scale, I'd give it like a seven. So I still think it's better than the average legendary legion. I still think it's on the competitive side, but probably only under certain points. And uh, we'll kind of get into that now with our army lists for the day. And uh, the first army list will be from Ian. 
who has a legendary legion list at 450 points. Okay, so yeah, like Charles said, I have 450 points of the legendary legion. <sighs> Should we? Okay, I, I have to admit, I was really tempted to try and run the uh, the wildman oathmaker at low points and just get like a ton of models and try and like wrap around and get a whole bunch of guys in but i didn't end up doing that i had to change my list around because i wasn't happy with the number of models but i still definitely think that that's viable and i'm not sure quite how to make it work but there's definitely something there with that anyway so my first warband is uh thryden with the horse he has five dunlending warriors with shield one dunlending warrior with shield and banner and three huskarls the second warband is gorolf he has four dunlending warriors with shield three huskarls and one Kerbane. And my third warband is the Dunnelling Chieftain with shield, and he has three Dunnelling Warriors with bow and three Wildmen. So, yeah, like I was saying, I kind of wanted to get a whole bunch of Wildmen in there, and initially I had the, um, uh, what's his name, the Oathmaker instead of the Chieftain in there. But I kind of realized that, like, I'm not going to need a ton of stuff to ignore Courage at this points level. And since they're the same points, I just prefer the better fighting prowess of the Chieftain. And yeah, I think I have I have the six Huskarls who have bodyguards, so I have enough bodyguard on the list if I need to throw something into the front line to charge something terrifying. I'm okay. Look, guys, honesty bows. Three! Three! Right? That's how you do it, right? Did I do it right? I'm surprised, because <laughs> these bows are as good as the Numenor bows, but then you maxed out the Numenor bows, but not these ones? I was, okay, I was so tempted to do it, and I, I honestly would, I think, if, if the numbers were higher. But then it just came down to having enough guys with shields in this list because, like, your defense isn't great. The reason I put them with the Chieftain is because I want them always close and within range of those Wildmen. Because if I find myself up against a big hero and I can't counter him with Goral for Thryden and I just need a turn or I want to prevent her combat, throw a Wildman in and then shoot him. <laughs> Go get him, Jim. Oh, I don't know if you missed it, Ian, but the Dunlin Chieftain can also purchase a bow for five points. I did notice that. I did, but I was not swayed. Yeah, and then just having the march in there I think is really handy. 450 is a little bit of an awkward points level for the Legion because you kind of... Like, I tried writing one with two heroes, with Thryden and Gorolf, but my numbers ended up about the same. I had some more... I think I had a second Caribbean and maybe some more cavalry in there, but it didn't change a lot. So in the end, I just decided to go for the third hero. At 450 points, dealing with those three heroes is going to be tough for a lot of opponents, especially when I still have options to deal with like big heroes like Gorolf, like we talked about. I'll leave it at that for now and see what you guys think. 26 models at 450 points is pretty good. I think you've optimized this list pretty well. I don't know if you need the three Wildmen. I mean, you have the six Dunlending Huskarls for the Fearless, so I'm almost thinking that you should try to squeeze out another Cribane. Just using the points from the Wildmen and then maybe swap around a couple guys and just to get that second flying model in there. And then it'd be probably even harder to stop your heroes. Like every single model you charge, you'll, you'll just be able to trap. But yeah, I don't have much bad things to say about this list. The banner in your list will probably cover your whole battle line. And you got a decent amount of shields in there. You got nine shields. I think at a 450 point tournament, I can see you taking it so... I'll, I'll give this a hero legend. Yes. Now this this list is... I like it a lot, first off, just because your hero selection I can't argue with at all. You've got Thryden and Garolf, and then you've got the march option with the Chieftain. So you've got 
eight might in 450, which is pretty solid. Like Charles said, maybe a second Cribane would be worth it. But at the same time, I really like having the extra numbers in there at low points. Because between 26 models, Gorof, Thryden, and a Chieftain, I think you probably won't come up against a list that can really handle those kind of numbers and the heroes that you've got. It's one of those situations where, you know, it's it's pick one or pick two, but you can't get all three. Aside from that, I'm really pleased to see that you only took three bows. Although I have to agree with Charles, you maxed out your Numenorean bows, but you only took three of these. Inconsistencies, I don't understand. Different play styles. Mm. <laughs> Aside from that, it's, it's a really good list. Like, I, I honestly, at 450 points, I don't see much coming up against it. I think I'll give it a. Because of the low, lower defense overall. I think maybe what I'll do is I'll give it a low legend. Yeah, I like what you did with this list. And like the other guys said, I think you did the best you could with these hero selections. And we did talk about how good Thryden is, and I love mounted heroes and all that. But I can't help but think, what if you took Frida instead of Thryden and then boosted your numbers to close to 30 or take another Crebane and make Frida your leader? That might be something that I might prefer to play myself, but I think it would come down to um, how you wanted to play this list. You have to take Thryden uh, in the Legion. Oh, do yeah. you? And then you don't get the Warcry, right? Because he, he's the one who has to declare the thing, I think, for the plus one to wound bonus. Okay. Would you want to suggest him to maybe replace Gorolf with Frida then? I mean, that gives you only probably one more guy. I, mean, I, I I do like Gorolf, so probably not, yeah. Yeah, if, if I had the extra five points, I could swap those three Wildmen for Kurbane, but then the numbers go down, so it's like, eh, yeah. I think I'd rather have Gorolf. Okay, uh, okay, yeah, I mean, if that's the case, yeah, I think this is really, really solid, so I give this, like, a top-level Valor. Okay, so the next list we'll jump into is my list, which is also the... Army of Dunland Legendary Legion at 700 points. So I have Thryden Wolfsbane on horse, four Dunlanding Warriors with shield, four Huskarls, one Dunlanding Warrior with shield and banner, two Dunlanding Horsemen, and one Cribane. Second Warband is Gorolf Ironskin, leading four Dunlanding Warriors with shield, three Dunlanding Huskarls, three Dunlanding Warriors with bow, and one Cribane. Third Warband is Frida Tallspear, with two Dunlending Warriors with shield and one Crabane. And the final Warband is a Dunlending Chieftain, with a shield and axe, leading four Dunlending Warriors with shield, one Dunlending Warrior with shield and banner, three Dunlending Huskarls, and one Dunlending Horseman. That comes to 700 points, 40 models, 11 might, three bows. So... This, at 700 points, I could pretty much take like whatever I wanted just because of the heroes being so cheap. I knew that I could take four out of the five hero options. I decided to not take the Oathmaker in this case, just because I thought that I had enough Huskarls in my list that if I needed the Fearless, I already had a lot of it. So I went with the other three named heroes and then a Dunlending Chieftain for the Heroic March. I think at 700 points, it's pretty necessary. 
I did my best to squeeze in as many Krabane as I could and ended up with three of them, as well as three horsemen. So that gives me a lot of trapping ability and being able to wrap around enemies. My model count is higher than average, so I'm hoping that I'll be able to outnumber and surround most battle lines that I come up against. And yeah, essentially the strategy behind this army was already kind of discussed. Just going to push forward, engage as early as possible, and call the Dunlending war cry. Go off of that first turn of combat and swing the momentum for the rest of the game. And kind of using the high strength of the Dunlendings, the piercing strikes, and the trapping ability from the Krebane and the cavalry to try to have that first big combat and go from there. Mm, I don't know, Charles. The 11 might, the high numbers, the good movement, the strikes, the ability to march. No, I just, I just, I don't like it that much. It's just, it's just, it's too, it's too, it's too well-rounded for me, personally. Now, if you can't note the sarcasm, there's very heavy sarcasm there, because this list is great. Yeah, this is one of those lists that I really, really like, just because you've got two strikes, you've got a march, you've got... 11 might points in 700 points. You've got 40 models. You've got how many mounted models? One, two, three. Four with yeah, Raiden. Four, four. Four. And then, you've and, got, the and then two Crabane, which is... Three Crabane, yeah. Three Crabane. Yeah, I missed the last one because it's just, it just mixed in there where you wouldn't expect it there in Farida's Warband. You're like, how many spies can they have? And he's like, another one. Um, Yeah, no, I like this list a lot. Again, you can't really do much about the low defense, with the exception of take a chieftain and march up real quick and just get into combat. That's something with Dunlin that you're never really going to have an answer for in a pure Dunland armies, but you've done everything possible to work around that, and I, I really like it, the different ways that you can move about this. You've got all the different tools that you need in this list. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I'm going to change Ian's rating as well. I'm going to have to give you both a legend on this one. I really like both of these lists. You're not changing your rating on Ian. You already gave him a legend. <laughs> Wait, did I? I like maybe you said oh. low. Yeah, okay, never mind. <laughs> They're both legends. I love them both. It's great. I know you like saying low legend as like a cop-out because you don't want to say actual legend. <laughs> Legends for everyone. You get a legend, you get a legend. You're pretty much. I'm just throwing okay, relax, Oprah. I'm, I'm really thrown out there uh, this this episode, but yeah. I, yeah, I really like it, too. Like Alex was saying, like, all that movement and the march, too, it, it's good. And because you have so many Crabane, like, you're not worried about shooting as much as you would be, even though your defense is super low, just because you're not, like, you can throw the Crabane forward and just charge all their arches if you need to. And they'll be stuck dealing with that for a while just because they have so many wounds, right? And then you're not getting shot and you can march up with everybody else. You do have to be careful, because if you use the Krabanas in the ways, then you hit them on fours. You would hit them on one to three. If enemies are shooting at something behind the Krabane. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I, but, but I meant like throwing the, the Krabane into combat with the archers if they have their archers clumped up. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then they're stuck dealing with that for a while. But yeah, that, that is a good point. That is a good point. That's a cheeky way to get around their uh, their special rule if you're fighting them. Yeah, and if you're like you're saying, and I, I would agree with you that, that that they might be vulnerable to a to a magic caster. But again, because you have the three Krabane, unless they bubble wrap their caster, as soon as you get the chance, toss the Krabane over the line to fight their caster and let them deal with that for you know four turns or whatever it takes. I I'm struggling to find reasons not to give this a legend, and 
so far I haven't come up with anything great considering it's 700 points. So I think I'll go with the legend. I'll see if Richard says something devastating that can make me knock it down. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I really like this as well. Like, I think the guys covered this already, but this is like built for like the current movement meta with the amount of mounted horsemen as well as the three Gravain. Like you don't, you don't even really have to win the fight to win the game because you could just stand on objectives. And yeah, I am kind of pressed to, you know, take back my original statement and give this a legend, even though I said, I really do want to see someone win with a Dunlin force though at a tournament. I think Jay Claire won with it, but that's because it's Jay Claire. So it's not like a great <laughs> litmus test, you know? <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I think just the mobility of this list kind of wins out. I'll, I'll give this a legend. So I guess three okay. legends for this do one, we, right? Do we, have, do we have like a triple legend like sound effect we can use for this? You I'm somewhat surprised because I... I saw this legendary legion as like a one-dimensional army. Like you move forward and then you bank on that first Warcry turn. I don't know. Maybe that's why I gave it the lowest rating for the actual legion. But yeah, yeah, the the model count is pretty high. So and yeah, you essentially have like your whole army gets a reroll as well with the two six-inch banners. That's that's yeah. pretty crazy. Oh yeah, we we totally forgot to mention that. Yeah, the double banner. It's it's huge. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's great. And I, I would be inclined to agree with you. Like, it doesn't look like it has a great playstyle. But then when you factor in, like, the Crabane and all the shenanigans you can do with your heroes, it kind of gets up there. Like, there's a lot of things you could do with this that are really cheeky. And uh, it just looks like a lot of fun to play. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to be fair, your original uh, list, Nova list of uh, all Fountain Court was pretty one-dimensional as well, and that was pretty solid, so. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. You just have to play the dimension right, really. That's one of those things where, sure, it's not, like, super multifaceted, but you get into combat with that much of a banner range. Two heroes that can strike, and the mobility, it makes it really devastating. It doesn't matter if your whole idea is march into combat as quickly as possible and get the war cry off. It's a pretty nasty-looking list. Okay. Next, let's move on to Alexander's list, which is a 800-point convenient alliance with Dunland. Okay, so I just want to preface this by saying I originally started this list liking it a lot more before I remembered that Thryden is only a hero of Valor, and I couldn't use him to create the alliance. You mean only hero of Fortitude? Did I say only hero of Valor? Yes, sir. See, that's how bad you want Thryden the to be hero Valor. The wound will never truly heal. <laughs> <laughs> and Ian comes out with the perfect quote for that exact moment in time. Yes, I had Thryden, and I liked the lists a fair bit more than I like what the final product was. But I'll give it a shot, because this is what I had to do. So I've got Lurts with 10 Urukai Warriors, all with pikes, 4 Urukai Scouts, with the Urukai Bow and one Crabane, Gorolf Ironskin, four Dunlending Warriors with Shield, four Huskarls, and two Dunlending Horsemen. And I have the Mouth of Sauron on his armored horse, two Black Numenorians, four Orc Warriors with Shield, four Moranin Orc Warriors with Shield and Spear, four Orc Warriors with Spear, 
and one Moranan orc with shield, spear, and banner. Got Kardish the Firecaller with two orc warriors with shield, three Moranan orc with shield and spear, one orc warrior with spear, and six orc warriors with bow. The idea generally behind this list is I do have two heroes that can strike. Uh, they're both fight five to begin with. The leader would be the Mouth of Sauron, allowing me to throw alerts into troops, posing uh, smaller heroes. Gorolf would allow me to plug him into either bigger heroes or things that I needed tying up for his free heroic defense to allow alerts to do his job. Mouth of Sauron, obviously, uh, the ability to both get into combat as a mounted hero at times, uh, selectively where he can, but also the ability to cast transfix on opposing targets. Uh, Kardash Firecaller, because Fury and being able to suck up orcs to replenish his own will store, as as well as uh, zapping opponents. At one point earlier, when I thought I could have Thryden in there, I had... The Witch King, which obviously would have synergized better with Kardish, but I still would take Kardish over a standard Orc Shaman. And then aside from that, really, having all those Urukai Pikes in there to back up Orc Warriors and um, Dunlanding Warriors where needed, you know, to get all the, the Fight 4 mixed in there, a little bit of Fight 4 Terror with the Black Numenorians, and then just Orcs, lots of Orcs. All the orc bows with Kardish for things for him to munch up and spit out as will points. Aside from that, though, I tried to go for a generally well-rounded list. That's why I've got the Crabane and the Horseman in there for movement, along with two or along with the one mounted hero. Again, I almost said two because I had Thryden on horse at one point. I've got the Urukai Scout bows just because I actually do like the mobility of the Urukai Scout being able to move and shoot with a strength 3 bow. It's just, it's pesky, not as strong as crossbows, but it was a cheaper option, so I went with that. I see where you're going with this list. I think if you're going to put that much effort into making this alliance work between Isengard and Mordor, I would go a little more crazy. I probably wouldn't write a well-rounded list. I'd probably like throw like a Shelob in there or some kind of I don't know great beast I don't know uh, I would I would do something more crazy but I understand what kind of list you're going for like a little bit of everything I know that's kind of like the list writing style you usually like to go for and you kind of have some of everything I don't know if I like the ten pikemen and Lurtz's warband I, I like just taking a few of them and in this case I'm I think I would rather take like shields. Or more Dunlin warriors and bring the model count up more. I don't, I just don't see the ten pikemen there being able to do maybe what you want it to do, especially when in Goral's warband you already have six supporting models. So I don't feel like you need another ten in Lurtz's warband. But hero choices are good. Uh, I mean, you have two striking heroes and two casters. Yeah. I I don't really see much of a synergy between these two armies, but. All the choices you made, all the profiles you included are pretty decent. I think I'll give this one a hero of fortitude. I don't hate this, Alex. The main issue I would have is some of the troop choices and allocations that you might have done. Charles brought up the 10 Urukai warriors with Pike under Lurts. That seems a bit awkward to me. Like, I would put at least a bunch of them in Gorolf's warband, and if you do that... 
it would probably eliminate the need to take any Huskirls or at least cut down a huge portion of them because we kind of went over the profile. I personally think they're overcosted, and that would leave you room to put either Dunlending Warriors with Shield or Akai with Shield in Lurz's Warband to kind of toughen up that Warband a little bit more. And then in the Mordor Warband, the Orc Warriors with Bows are nice, but this this might be like a little bit of an efficiency issue, but I personally would either take them as trackers or take a couple of the orcs with no war gear for Kardush to, you know, refill his will. But with all that said, these are kind of small changes. I do like the 58 models at 800 points. That's really, really strong. And you have really strong hero choices. So I would give this a Valor. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of of the same mind. I actually really liked the idea initially when you had Thryden in there of comboing in with Kardush, just because I was thinking of, like, you fireball an enemy hero's horse, and then you hit him with Thryden in the same turn. So Thryden's not, like, the greatest fighter, but he, if he can go two-handed, it doesn't matter if he loses the fight because the opponent hero can't strike most of the time because they got knocked off their horse. But sadly, that won't work. But you still have the immobilize in there, so you can kind of do the same thing. Yeah, I I like it. I, I don't know if there's there's much more to say other than what the guys have said, just with maybe rearranging things a bit. Yeah, I I think I'm at, like, a Valor. I could definitely see it doing well, for sure, for sure. You could use more bows, but you have so many models anyway, so it's like, whatever. Even if you get shot a whole bunch, you're going to get enough guys into combat. Yeah, I, I'm solid. The final list of today is Richard's list, which is a 1,000-point pure Isengard list. So I have uh, Saruman on horse as my leader, with Grima on horse in his warband, and four Dunlending warriors with shield, five Urukai warriors with pike, three Urukai warriors with crossbow, one Cribane, and a demolition team. And then in the second warband, we have Rasku leading two Dunlending warriors with shield, six Urukai warriors with crossbows, and another Cribane. In the third warband, we have an Isengard Ballista. In the fourth warband, we have Gorolf leading one Urukai with banner and shield, three Dunlending warriors with shield, four Urukai warriors with pike, another Cribane. And then in the final warband, we have the Oathmaker leading four Dunlending warriors with shield, six wild men of Dunland, and another Cribane. This is to a total of 53 models, 13 might, and when it comes to shots, there's 11 bow shots, plus a Ballista shot, and a potential Siren's Sorcerer's Blast. And, and Brashku too, I think, right? I think that is included, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, nine crossbows and Brashku, yeah. Max the crossbows. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess the idea for this list is a very castle strategy, and that's why I took the Isengard Ballista and the crossbow shots. To Ian's point, I could probably add on more crossbows. I think it would be personal preference, but that could work as well. But I wanted to keep some fighting power as well once they got up close. So once they got up close... I have the Demolition Team and Saruman to kind of deal with a lot of the heroes. I have the Wild Men of Dunland with the Oathmaker, which is kind of like my cheap Berserker squad. You know, I don't need to overpay 15 points for a Berserker. I got these 
uh, cheat five pointers, and I can even split one or two out and run four objectives as well. I also have four Cribane to fly around and just, you know, wreck havoc wherever I need to. So, yeah, that is my general strategy. Oh, I guess I, I should mention that this is kind of the return of the flying bomb squad if I need to, you know, bring that card out. So that's my uh, hidden card. That needed to stay dead. Why did you bring it back up? <laughs> no! <laughs> Middle Earth does not need B-17s. <laughs> and, and this time I have more Cribane, so you never know where they're going to drop the bomb. So I see there's only eight models in your army that don't have the Isengard keyword. The four Dunlending Warriors and the four Cribane. So Yeah, because the Wild Men of Dunlin do. Yeah, yeah. So that would be 45 in your list with the keyword. So I'm just trying to calculate the army bonus. So you wouldn't have to test until 30 30, are dead? Yeah. Yeah. 30 dead Isengard. That's pretty solid. I noticed that you don't have a lot of uh, Urukai with shield. I guess you're replacing them with the cheaper Dunlending Warrior to be your front line? Yeah, I mean, I think the defense 6 is nice, but I kind of chose the defense 5 route just so there's equal defense all throughout, so I won't really be focused. It gives me a little bit of numbers while being able to take some specialty teams. And another reason is with the demolition team, I'm going to be blowing stuff up, and I'd rather blow up the front rank of Dunlending Warriors and Wild Men of Dunland than Urukai with Shield. Yeah, there's just so much going on in this list. It's hard to rank it, because you got, you got birds flying everywhere, you have bombs, you have ballistas, and you have agrima. There's a lot to process. I like the amount of shenanigans and tricks that you have, and it would be probably hard for opponents to keep track of them. I do agree with Ian that maybe you should max your bows, but then again, your numbers at 53 seems to be like a solid spot. I don't know if you want to go lower. Because if you go lower, your army bonus will still protect you from being broken too early. But having a lower model count can still be a problem in certain situations. Especially if you're playing like castle strategy, you want enough models as well. So I'm kind of torn there whether you should max your bows or not. Max the bows. Just like onto his defense 5 point, because they're, they're going to be defense 5 crossbows anyway, right? I guess a way to do that would be drop one Cribane and trade in a couple Dunlin for crossbows and might not lose that many numbers too. Yeah, so I I like this list. I like just the amount of craziness you have in it. The one thing that I want to change is Vrasku. Goral seems to be like the only one that you can throw at enemy hitters and just being like a combat hero. And I think at 1,000 points... If you're going to a tournament, most lists will have like a big hero. And I just think that only having one in your list, it's okay because you have Saruman being able to support with magic. But I'm just thinking like I would like to have a second one that could do like a tar pitting role. Maybe like a generic Urkai captain with defense seven instead of Rasku. Something like that. At a thousand point tournament, you'll see a lot of like Gilgalads and LSRs and yeah. I don't know if Gorolf will be enough for any of those situations. Do you have other counters, of course, like demo team and stuff? So it's really hard to visualize how this one would do in like every single situation. But I do like everything that's going on in this list. So I'll give it a hero of valor. 
I'd like to say that while there's only one heroic strike in that list there, and it's also the hero that you'd want to plug into a big enemy hero to heroic defense, and we'll sit there and go, is there another answer for a big hero then? And Richard just lights a match and goes, kaboom? Yes, kaboom. That's it. That is the answer. And honestly, <laughs> Yes, Rico. <laughs> just, yes. Aside from that, really, though, it's it's the minute you said you had four Crabane, I was like, that's that's 16 wounds of Crabane flying around, flapping around, not being able to be touched by bow fire, creating traps, getting plugged up into opponent's heroes. I mean, that's one answer is that you come up against a big hero and you plug a Crabane into it, stop it from being able to move for a turn or two. Aside from that, I, I noticed how you essentially calculated your collateral damage for the demolition team by picking out the cheapest possible troops and saying, if I have to lose some, these are the ones I'm going to lose. And that's a that's typical Richard calculating everything down to the last point. The ballista is great. It's obviously, it's it's better in the Legion, but it's still really strong. Yeah, again, very much like the other lists that I've reviewed today, it's just, it's very well-rounded, and I have a hard time finding things wrong with it. Oh, it's a thousand points, that's why. Okay, I understand now. I was trying to understand why it had everything. Am I going to just give, like, another legend today? Don't make me do it. I don't want to do it. Like, I can't deny it. It's a legend. It's great. Everyone gets a legend today, all three of you. You're fantastic. You're all winners. You did turn into Oprah. <laughs> You get a legend, you all get a legend, I'm not even bothered. You know what? <laughs> Very kind of you, fine sir. Yeah, I, I, I'm i trying to look at this with my 1,000 point goggles on. You can try all you want, Ian, it doesn't work, I just tried. <laughs> the goggles only magnify. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know, it's, like, I like all the stuff that you have in it, but... I don't know how it's going to work in objective scenarios. I I think it, I definitely have to see it play on the table. I, I will say that I think I built this list with my particular play style because I like having a lot of shenanigans. You know, I'm playing a game and I'm like to my opponent, wait, but there's more. So like a huge bag of tricks is what I like to do. I wouldn't say this is like a generic list that I would suggest to anyone to build and play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for Spider Bridling to come out. It's coming out in a minute, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know, man. Because like, you have a lot of nice counters to big heroes with Gorolf and the Bomb Team and like Saruman. But the Crabane, I think, is the bigger thing. Because like Gorolf and the Bomb Team, they only move six a turn, right? And you're going to be coming up against big mounted heroes. I mean, I guess Saruman can blast them off, but they'll, they'll be at least, like, two in a lot of lists, right? I could see it doing well. I don't know if I could see it, like, absolutely crushing a tournament. I, I think I'm at a Valor, maybe. Ugh, might be a Fortitude? I don't know. I'm not... I'm not I, don't, I, I don't think I want to tread that low. Yeah, what if Flame Burst? You can detonate the bomb with a Flame Burst. Because then you could fly the bomb behind enemy lines, and then Saruman can cast from 12-inch range away. He just throw a fireball, and then it'd okay. be a bomb strike. I mean, yeah, if you have this, <laughs> this stupid tactical bomber, then then yeah, it's probably like... Legit. It's a legend. Yeah, but... <laughs> I, on the surface, it doesn't look like you have a lot of answers to big heroes, but then you get into it with like the Gorolf, the bomb team, Saruman can blast, Rashku can take out their horses... 
and all the Kerbane. So, like, you do have a lot of answers to them and a lot of stuff. So I'll leave it at, like, a middle-of-the-road Valor and, and, and just go with that. <sighs> I hate a 1,000 points. It's so hard to rank. All right, so those have been our lists for this week on Dunland. Let's move on to the open topic, which we will rank two attack elites of the game. So in today's open topic, we'll be ranking two attack elites. So these are two attack warriors profiles that are on 25 millimeter bases. So we'll be excluding profiles like great eagles and spiders and things like that. So what we're left with are 10 profiles that fit this criteria. And um, at the time of this recording, the dragon cult acolytes from the Easterling faction have been teased and previewed. We don't know the exact points values for those ones. So we won't be including them in this ranking, but I think at the end of this open topic, we'll talk about them briefly and kind of see where we think they would likely fall in this ranking. Our rankings for the two attack elites, as well as the army lists that we went over today, will all be on our Facebook page. Just search Into the West podcast to find all of these lists. So before recording this episode, we sort of came up with a rough order of rankings of these two attack elites, and then we'll kind of dive into why we put them in at a certain rank, and if we disagree among ourselves, we'll also just have a discussion about it. So starting from the very bottom, at number 10 is the Feral Urukai. Now in episode 10, we listed this as one of the trash warrior profiles, underpowered warrior profiles simply because they are very overcosted for their stat line. Now, from what I remember from that discussion, we couldn't really think of very many situations where you would take these, except maybe to like surprise your opponent. Have you guys changed your minds at all or opinions on this profile? Nope. They have two swords, so they're basically immune to gun to bad shaman shatter, whereas berserkers only have a berserker blade. I mean, if this profile was in another list, you would take them, just because that's a two-attack warrior option. Because they're in Isengard where you have Berserkers, you're not going to see them. There really isn't much of a point. If you could take them in, like, some of the Scout Legions, which just kind of looks like their theme, and give them, like, the movement 8 from her, that'd be enough of a difference between them and Berserkers for the, you to want to take them. But yeah, I don't really see the point. Same points as episode 10, really. They're just in close combat, they're defense 4, so they go down quickly, and they just cost too much in order to do that. Yeah, personally, I don't see um, a place in the list in Isengard, just because they're so far from being usable. Two points less than definitely I would use them. So at number nine, we have the Morgul Stalker. Now, the Morgul Stalker is an orc warrior in the Mordor list that has access to stock and scene, and it's not a very common model. I've seen it occasionally in lists. I wouldn't say that it's never used, but it is a very, like, very small niche in this meta, I think. What are your guys' thoughts on this particular profile, and can you see like a, a competitive use for them? Well, they're way better than they were last edition. Like, I think they dropped, like, what, five points? Weren't they, like, 15 points before? Something like that, yeah. yeah Although uh, Elven Cloaks have also been nerfed. That's true, that's true. Honestly, I, they just let down by fight three. 
At ten points, fight three isn't isn't great. I think yeah. a good comparison the good comparison is they're two points more than a hunter orc, and in exchange they get a stock and scene and one more courage. Yeah, it and that that two points makes a big difference because like with hunter orcs you can spam them. That's why they're they're ranking higher than these guys. Honestly, I don't hate the profile. For 10 points, like, yeah, they're kind of expensive, but I could see tossing some of them just because two attacks and strength four is good. But it just kind of comes down to, like, in most Mordor lists, you're just going to end up with a ton of Moran and Orcs instead, usually. Maybe if you were just spamming out normal Orc Warriors and you wanted to hide, like, a chunk of these guys behind your line and then, like, spring them around the flanks, I could see that. Yeah, I, I think they just have a really niche role. They're not terrible models, but I don't think they fit Mortar's play style, which is basically march at the opponent and then get into combat as quick as you can. I think if they were in a different list, then potentially you'd be able to use them a bit more. And as well, like units that kind of rely on the stock and scene or elven cloaks are not as competitive usually because it also depends on how much tournament terrain there is which is sometimes really subjective depending on where you are in the world. So I think that's why, for the most part, it's kind of a risk to take them. Yeah, I agree with that. I think they're properly costed, actually. If you can find a use for the stock and scene, then they are worth their points. So if you take like one or two and then put them in the back of your army and run to objectives, if an opponent tries to send one cav model, you have two dice against two dice if they charge you, I guess. It may, might make them think twice and maybe send two models after you instead of one and expend more resources. I don't know. I, I was thinking the same thing. I think unlike objective-based game, like a domination, you send most of your force at maybe two objectives, and then you send three to six of these guys at one of your opponent's objectives that they think is pretty safe. I think you could be kind of deceptive because they'll see that and they'll go, oh, it's only like three models or that's only four models but it's eight attacks at strength four that's coming towards them and then it's gonna be really hard to shoot them and get them down and courage three for mordor is good so i, I think yeah is, is using them to run around and grab objectives actually yeah they, they definitely have a purpose i just i don't know how often they get used in a mordor list yeah i could definitely see plugging in two maybe three into a list i mean they're not terrible i don't think you can really hate a profile for 10 points based on what we see here. But yeah, in terms of Mordor, it's difficult to really make the best use of them, and that's why I think most players just pick more efficient profiles. Not so much it being bad, as there's just a lot of profiles that are cheaper and easier to make use of. Then at number eight, we have the Wood Elf Sentinel. This one is, it stands out a little bit in this list because... It's not in to attack elite in the sense that you you can sprinkle them in the list or like spam them because they're so expensive. Typically you'll see like one or none in an army just because they're 25 points and being like a defense three one wound model. What are your guys' thoughts on this one? Because this one you, you see quite a bit. I know Ian has has a lot to say about what else that. Well. I, I just want to jump in quick and say I probably disagree with the number eight on this one. After looking at this list, I think it definitely deserves to be higher. And yes, you can't spam out and run a list with just these guys. I feel like in certain lists, it's quite essential to have at least one. 
I'd probably call them more of a utility profile rather than an elite. I don't see them as like an elite that you add to like your shield wall or something like that. It is a little bit hard to rank in this case. Uh, I think the number eight spot is more for their stat line, but you don't get them for their stat line. Yeah, they just kind of happen to have two attacks for whatever reason. It's not like the reason you take them. Like, I've talked about them before on on this podcast, and, and you guys know all know my feelings about them. I will agree with you. I think maybe they should be more around the mid-tier of this list rather than at towards the end. But I I don't know. I, I think the reason I, I'm so harsh, and I guess we're all pretty harsh on them, is just because factoring in our local meta, we bring a lot of courage stuff, and a lot of people bring stuff to negate courage shenanigans. So these guys, whenever I've tried to use them or you've seen them used, they, just, they never really have that much of an impact. Uh, I, I don't know where I would bump them to, though. They are very uh, swingy profile. If your enemy has like a Mordor troll or like a banner, you could really ruin your opponent's day. But then if they have a lot of fearless or if there's no big target to use your ability on, then it's like a 25 point point sink. If you take them on Lothlorien or Merkwood, they're just in a list that has expensive troops anyway. So you're, you're struggling yeah. to find the points. Yeah, I find the argument of finding the points for it along an argument I would make for finding the points for the Feral Orkai. Not that they're anywhere near as bad in terms of being costed, but just the fact that, again, a list with profiles that are typically relatively expensive, so you're not going to really find a lot in the way of extra points to put towards this profile. You're going to want to use those points elsewhere for different purposes. Although I've definitely been on the receiving end of having my banner just run six inches from the battle line or having a troll run away or having something that has already moved get yanked out into the middle of nowhere. And it can be really devastating. So I, I think generally this should be probably closer to the mid range somewhere, five or six. It can be really hit or miss. And when it's a 25 point miss in a list that could definitely use 25 points in other ways, uh, it can be pretty bad at the same time when it doesn't work. I can be convinced to move this uh, one or two spots up for sure. At number seven, we have the Urukai Berserker. This one is also in the Isengard list, and we put it higher than the Feral Urukai, but still, like in comparison to the other options in the game, it's still on the lower half. Urukai Berserker really took a hit this edition, losing his defense six, instead only having defense six against shooting. Uh, for 15 points... I still like Berserkers. I know you burned me on that before with uh, with the Lurts episode. Yeah, I, I think I might put them above our next one. I think I'd put them above Watchers of Karna. I gotta shake my head on that one and disagree with you. Just because I used to play a lot of Isengard in the last edition, and Berserkers were a frequent part of those lists. I'd have... Two, probably in each warband out of 12, I'd have entire lists built of Berserkers and Feral Urukai, which we are now critiquing quite harshly, because it was a very different time for them in the last edition. But this time out, you know, the points cost stays the same, they go down a defense, and that really makes a difference, because there's a lot more Strength 3 than Strength 4. I mean, they still get it against Bowfire, but... In close combat, at least if you lost, that you didn't feel like they were automatically dead. And at the cost of that profile, with the high cost already of a standard Urukai warrior, I pretty much build Isengard lists now with no Berserkers. 
I think they were properly costed the last edition. Now, they just swapped the conditional defense six with a six plus save, which I think is a downgrade. So they're like slightly below what I think they should be costed. I think at like 14, that would be good. I can like taste the salt through you guys, Mike. <laughs> All these flavors, I've chosen to be salty. But I'm sorry, I'm looking at their profile again, and it's like, there's still defense six to bow fire, so they're not going to get shot. And now they have a six up save anyway. Like... Guys are just salty. I think they're fine. <laughs> we'll have to agree to disagree on this one. At number six, we have Watchers of Karna from the Serpent Horde list. Uh, this is another profile that was slightly nerfed this edition. So this one is kind of like, a, I'd say it's sort of a, another utility type of profile. It's got some little things going on with it. So it's got, he's got Hatred of Spirit, and you've also got Resistant to Magic, and you get the plus two courage when they charge for a courage test. So go boosting from a courage three base to courage five. Yeah, I, right. even though they're defense three, which is the, definitely the worst part about them, nine points for two attacks at fight four isn't bad. And then when you factor in what they do for the Harad list in terms of giving you something that can charge terrifying enemies, something that can deal with spirits... I think they are quite important in that list. And at the points cost, I think, yeah, they're fine. They're good. You're always yeah. going to want to have, like, I don't know, three to six of them in a Harad list just just for the utility. Yeah, I, I think these are good to sprinkle in, not to spam because of the defense three. They're fairly costed now. I think that nerf was warranted. They were kind of too good last edition. Is that a good spot where uh, it's useful including some, but you don't want too many? I mean, yeah. If you can if you can hide them effectively until you get them into combat, I think they can be really effective. Or if you want to sit them back and wait for either a spirit or something that needs charging, yeah. Now that I look at the profile, they'd probably be really good against the the dark powers of Dolgold or Nazgul, because they get the plus one to wound against them and they get plus two courage to charge them. Mm-hmm. And their defense three doesn't matter because the Nazgul wound them on fours anyway. <laughs> yeah, very handy. At number five, we have the Iron Guard from the Khazad Doom list and the Kingdom of Moria. See these guys quite a bit. They're 15 points each, and I know Alexander used them quite a bit, and I, I also like the profile. They're pretty solid for what they do. They also bring throwing weapons. Kind of pricey, but... Yeah, they're, they're probably a point, maybe two points overcosted, definitely one point overcosted, but the fight four, strength four, two attacks is like a captain kind of tier thing. Just because they are at that level, it's good enough, right? It might be one point more because it negates one of Khazad-Dum's weaknesses, which is not having a battle line. So being two attacks effectively is like a battle line if you put a banner behind it. Yeah, I think that might be a point overcosted, but they are a solid profile. I like the throwing weapons because occasionally I actually get something to work with that, and it can really throw a curveball at my opponent. My only knock on them is because Kazadoom and Dwarves in general are so strong defensively that 7 is their standard. When Iron Guard are defense 6, considering they're 15 points, you really have to hide them before combat because they are automatically targeted as the weak ones and because they're relatively expensive. It makes them priority number 1 to be shot at and priority number 1 for you to protect, so they're a little bit difficult to throw in, but a couple here and there are always useful. I don't really like them as much as you guys, purely for the fact that whenever I play Alex, <laughs> I just pick these off like flies. You know, focus fire and take them out. 
And then once combat lines hit, throw your mounted heroes into them that first turn to cut them down with your fight five and plus heroes. I just feel like Kazadoom needs to spam out the troops. And I feel like these guys cut down on the numbers a lot, being like 1.5 times the amount of points. So I don't love this profile. I might actually push this one further down this list personally. Yeah, I found the most success with Kazadoom when I actually do just go crazy with the standard warriors with shields. Iron Guard are fun, and they have their moments, but like I said, my biggest knock on them is exactly what you do to me in all of those games, which is just target them first. It's just the worst set of points that you spend at that point when that happens. When they get into combat and they do something, it feels good, but usually there's more efficient options. I would probably push them down maybe maybe one or two, probably just one, maybe down to the sixth slot. Sad to say this, but yeah, as soon as I flip to the profile just now and, and as we're talking, even though I love them, I think I would drop them down to maybe six on our list. Yeah, I, I maybe like them and the Watchers will swap it mm-hmm. for me, just because of their price point. At number four, we have the Hunter Orc. So this is the eight-point base warrior from um, Azog's Hunters. And they don't technically have two attacks in the profile. It's a special rule that gives them two attacks when they're on foot. But the vast majority of players, when they play this army, they'll run them mostly on foot just for that two attacks. And so this is the cheapest two attack. Uh, So it's not really an elite, but we include it because it's a two attack warrior. At eight points, you get an orc with strength four as well and two attacks. They don't really have much in terms of war gear options. They can take a two-handed pick. So if you want that piercing strike up to uh, strength five, you can as well. But generally, they're just taken with two swords or uh, with an orc bow. What are you guys' thoughts on this profile? Eight points is, yeah, you just spam them. They're, They're so efficient for what you're paying for. That's what earns them the spot in my mind. They're just, yeah. Yeah, I think they can even arguably go higher on the list because... This might be the only model on this list, with the exception of maybe number one, that you can spam out a whole army of just these guys. Like, none of the models that we covered earlier, you can just only bring a list of just the elite units. So I think that's what warrants the Hunter Orc being so high. Yeah, like, even though they're only defense four, even though they don't have shields, you can have enough of them where they're still a big threat with a pretty big model count. At number three, we have the Half-Troll from the Farharad list. Other than the Sentinel, this one is the most expensive two-attack elite on the list. And it's a very popular pick when people play Farharad or they want to ally something in with their Serpent Horde list. It's a Fight 5 and Strength 5 model with Terror. And it's also the only two-attack elite with two wounds. The obvious weakness is the Courage of Two but that is negated with the Farharad army bonus if you have a nearby Mahood hero in combat. I played quite a bit of Farharad in 2019, and I really enjoy this profile. I didn't exactly spam them. I usually took about 10, or 8 to 10 of them at 800 points, but that's the most I would go, just because once you go over that, it can do very poorly against armies that have Fearless, have Bodyguard, or big heroes just rip through them. But they are pretty terrifying against <laughs> against your average like strength three army and also armies that are lower than fight five. They're pretty mean. I've played against your half trolls enough times that I remember it. 
yeah, that that number of times could have been one, and I'd still remember it because I've literally had to build lists to try and counter the half trolls. The only thing I ever fa- find works out of the armies that I currently own are throwing a bunch of really expensive dwarf heroes into them, and that's a that's a mismatch when you have to throw a 100 plus point hero into a 20 something point troop to get rid of it. They're just mean. Between the fight five, the two wounds, they're just absolutely devastating. They just last forever. Yeah, I mean, like Alex said, their stat line is like better than most captain models for probably less than half the cost. And nothing more infuriating than doing one wound on each half troll at the line and none of them dying. The worst. The worst. Oh my god. (laughs) When you finally get that second wound and it's on the wrong half troll. <laughs> when you have six half trolls that all have one wound, but none of them have had two wounds, and you're in like turn twelve, it's just it's bad. I don't like it. I'm not gonna complain. I'm happy. I haven't had to play those in like two years. Thanks, Charles. <laughs> At number two, we have the Corsair Reaver from the Corsairs of Umbar list. So these are the ones that they have to pass a test, otherwise they'll charge the nearest model, unless they're close to a Corsair Bozen. Yeah, it's, it's another one of the ones that were really popular last edition that were kind of brought down a bit, but they still have their two attacks. They're still really good. I think it's it's quite often you still see people pay one point to swap one of their weapons for an axe, so then they're strength four with plus one to wound if, if their special rule activates, which... If you have a bosun around, thanks to one of those early FAQs, they're basically always going to get that bonus. Right? Do they have to charge, or no? They just have to. Yeah, it, it's through a charge because they it, have to fail a courage test. Yeah, it says at the start of yeah. their move. So if it's yeah. charged first, it doesn't get a move. They have to charge. I never but... noticed that before. Now. And just with the uh, Corsair's army bonus too. Like, traps are pretty easy with this Horde army, so you're getting the plus two to wound on two attacks. Yeah. I think that's the scary thing. Yeah, that's nasty. Especially if you can get them up to strength four. Yeah. For nine points. Yeah, that's gross. They are also um, defense three. Just comparing with, like, Watchers of Karna, they are also pretty uh, squishy. But you can spam them. You can spam them, yes. And they're courage four, too, which is, like, matching your heroes in this list. They automatically pass, though, if they uh, when they get the plus one to wound. They don't need to test when charging terrifying enemies. Oh, yeah. And you can choose to do that. Yeah, in, you can uh, choose if to boson's, fail. If the boson's nearby. Yeah. Yeah, that's... They're, yeah, yeah, they're still really good. They're easier to play against now, but they're still really, really good. And then at number one, we have the Gundabad Berserker. So the reason why this one is at number one is just because of not only how great the profile is, but the synergies you can get with them. First of all, they're movement eight. So they are really mobile and you can wrap around and trap more easily than the average infantry. Their profile is pretty similar to the Isengard's Berserker in that they have defense five, their fight four, strength four. They synergize really well with the signal tower. I think they're the only model in the game where their own 6-plus save it can be upgraded. So with the Signal Tower, their 6-plus save when they suffer a wound is upgraded to 5-plus save. And obviously they still benefit from like the, the banner reroll and the Courage bonus from the Signal Tower. Um, so I believe at higher points you can spam these guys. And uh, one of our last tournaments before the lockdown, 
one of our local players, Max, he brought Signal Tower with Berserkers. And yeah, it felt really, really strong when I played against it. Yeah, even without the Signal Tower, like you're still going to take a chunk of these guys if you can, just to hit flanks and stuff like that. With the movement 8, it's great. But then with this signal power, like you're saying, you get these guys basically running around 11 inches a turn before combat. Like, they're outrunning horses. And then when they hit, they hit you with, like, these strength four, two attacks, fight four. And you can't even kill them, you know? 33% of the time, they just ignore the wound. It's... They're crazy. They're not with this signal tower. They might go down a little bit, but they're still really good. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I think maybe we put them as number one because we are thinking with all the buffs available. Because that was a a thousand point tournament that Charles was referencing. I think if we just go with the basic profile without the signal tower buffs, I think maybe it drops down a few rankings. Maybe around where the hunter orc would be, I would say. So you'd have the, the reaver as number one? That is tough, but maybe... Yeah, I, I do like the Corsair Reaver. I remember watching the Unexpected podcast, and Matt, he um, he ran this list, and he said that he could do it at seven or 800 with the Signal Tower. I don't know if that strategy is exclusively for big tournaments. If you can do this at 700, then I think it's worth thinking about when you think about this profile. But that is only like one way to play the army, you're right. As a standalone profile, though, he'd still probably be, like, maybe, like, second place for me. Yeah, he's definitely top three, I think. Yeah. Even if you don't have the tower, you combo that with the big heroes that are around him, and it's just, it's a lot to deal with. Mm -hmm. There's also just, as a side note on the whole list, it's kind of funny, there's only, what, two good models on the entire list? Why can't good guys have, like, some more two-attack infantry? Like, like, like one or two more in the game. That'd be nice. (laughs) So yeah. earlier this episode, we mentioned the new preview profile, the Dragon Cult Acolytes for Easterlings. We don't have the full profile yet, but we know that they're probably going to be Fight 4, Strength 4, and Defense 4, and have throwing weapons. We know that they're going to have two special rules, one that helps them in leaping and jumping tests, and one that allows them to ignore in the ways when making strikes against like models behind barrier or something like that. So we were discussing before recording this podcast, but we're thinking that it would be probably somewhere in the 11 to 12 point range. Now, assuming that they're 11 or 12 points, where do you guys think that you would place them on this list, thinking about like what it adds to an Easterling army? Maybe in the number five spot, assuming they are costed like that. Yeah, I think the big assumption is the strength four, because... Easterlings really need that, and if they are only strength three, then I think they would drop down to the lower tiers, maybe to like a seven or eight. But yeah, I agree with Ian with the strength four, likely in the middle range. Yeah, I think so much of it really does, you're right, Richard, hinge on that strength four because the army is strength three. So if they get the strength four and the two attacks, I think they bring enough to the army that that it really needs. How would you guys feel if they were strength four, but they're like 13 points? Would you still put them around the middle, or would that drop them down a bit lower? It just means that they'd probably be less spammable. Um, I'd probably still put them at about the same. Yeah. Just as we're talking, I'm thinking that that might be the way they go. Because of the special rules that we know they're going to get, they kind of want to force them more into that elite role. You know what I mean? But 
Yeah. You could still definitely see Easterling people playing them, but then <laughs> that's definitely going to hurt your numbers a lot more, and Easterling's already struggled with numbers, so... I mean, it could be interesting with the ability to better perform at leap and jump tests and climb tests with Easterling Wardrum. You, know, you could really get through some terrain, you know. So Ooh. I didn't think about that. That's, that's, that's a good shout-out. I was thinking in sieges, you know, if you're ever going to have a siege game, you're going to want to take these guys. They'll get up the ladders, no problem. Yeah, screw the regular berserkers. <laughs> I want the Easterling berserkers. Actually, like, a really good point. They probably, they definitely would do a better job than the Berserkers on ladders. So, Richard, you were saying that you would move the Sentinel up a little bit in ranking and move the Iron Guard down? Maybe maybe even swap the two? Yeah, I would say that. And then, Ian, you were saying that you would probably move Watchers of Karna up a little bit, was it? I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> No, Ian wanted the Urukai Berserker up. I think it was the oh, Berserker. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. didn't hate it as much as us. Yeah. I'm not I'm not <laughs> definitely not as salty as you guys. Okay. It just it doesn't feel right it being at seven. Seven feels wrong to me for the Berserker. I'd go probably Sentinel up to six, or uh, Watcher up to five, uh, Iron Guard down to eight. Ooh. Uh, I don't like dropping the Iron Guard that much, but I think it should probably go down a bit, yeah. It's just that of the ones on the list that I'd want to move, I'd probably leave the Berserker at 7, and that opens spots at 5, 6, and 8, and I think the Iron Guard is probably, all in all, like 9 times out of 10, the least effective for its role in what it does, and so I would drop it the furthest. I'd actually probably also flip the Gun to Bad Berserker and the Half Troll. Mm Mm-hmm, okay. Thank you all for listening and uh, look forward to the next episode of Into the West podcast. Mm-hmm.